it's me, Kevin Smith, Silent Bob, from all those Jay and Silent Bob-type pictures, man. And I'm breaking the silence to tell you that you're listening to the Buff and the Blazer podcast with Drew and El Tato. Enjoy the show, kids! Hey, El Tato. What's going on? We got a podcast of Buff and the Blazer. If I was a listener, where would I go to find more? You can check us out on our website, thebuffintheblazer.com. Drew over there writes an article that goes along with every single episode. You can find all kinds of little extras on the articles, and you can listen to the podcast right there. Also, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're on Twitter, at Buff and Blazer. Follow us there. Get those clicks, people. The Buff and the Blazer. Welcome to episode 78 of the Buff and the Blazer podcast, the show where we break down, discuss old movies, new movies, everything in between. I'm Drew, and as always, I'm joined by my good pal and co-host, Mr. El Tato. What's up, man? What's up, dude? Nothing much. How's it Chorin. going? Up? Still chorin'. Still chorin'. It's a hot mountain up there? It's hot, yes. <laughs> Today's yeah. the first day of our second you know, 90-plus stint. It's supposed to be like that for a while now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's one good thing to the heat, though. That means we're in summer, and that means that we got some summer movies coming out. So we can do away with the Oscar films for for a few months. The more heavy, make <laughs> you fucking feel bad. Yeah. But this movie came out a while back. It did, yeah. It's not, it's not real, real new. The film we're discussing this week is Nobody, directed by Ilya Nyshuler, and written by Derek Kolstad. So let me ask you this before we get into our overalls. Derek Kolstad, are you familiar? No. The writer. Do you have no. his name up in front of you on the IMDb page? Should I click it? Click on that. What do you see on his films? Hitman TV series. Oh, on films. Oh, John Wick Chapter 4, John Wick Chapter 5. John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2. John the Wick Continental TV series. That's a that's a Wick yeah. spinoff. Mm-hmm. What's that on? Oh, that's just announced. It hasn't come out yet. Yeah. So basically, this dude is the writer of John Wick. <laughs> so we were talking a little bit about the movie off the mic, and I was comparing it to John Wick specifically for this reason. So yeah, this film had like a lot of hype behind it because it came from the creators of John Wick, quote unquote, the writer. And if there's any similarities to that film franchise, it probably has a lot to do with it. So with that, let's get into your overall thoughts of the movie. Will the real Bob Odenkirk please stand up? (laughs) Because that imposter we had a couple weeks ago on The Conjuring, (laughs) he's got nothing on. uh, That's your Bob Odenkirk? On the real Bob here. Your young Bob. (laughs) Hey, the prequel, right? The nobody prequel. There you go. Yeah, right? This movie was lean, no filler. Yeah. Straight to the point murder bonanza, dude. <laughs> and I had a freaking blast watching it. Uh I I loved how simple the story was. Yeah. I loved the cinematography. 
Mm-hmm. I love the fight choreography. I love the violence. There was just, you know, the music was great. Like the soundtrack was just great. Yeah. And there was like no time to pick anything apart because they weren't trying to, you know, establish character motivations or make you care about this character or that character or make you think about what's going to happen. It was just like, nope. I disagree. I think they totally do that with the time they have. Really? And they do it well. They do it really well. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll get into that. Yeah. But I just felt like it was a little bit of buildup showing, you know, Hutch's life, his current life, and then an event that just dominoed into ultimate violence for the rest (laughs) of the movie. And I I totally loved it, man. Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm right there with you. I think this is the most fun I've had watching a film in a while. This movie was a blast and it like it totally went under my radar. Like I don't know why. It's fairly big. It's a universal movie, so I mean, I don't know how it escaped my radar, but I'm so glad we decided to do it. It was like it was being advertised on iTunes like nuts on the main banner because it got released digitally. So I was like, oh, speaking of Bob Odenkirk, I mean, he has a movie coming out. We're getting a little lean this week in terms of new releases. So I was like, why don't we give this one a shot? And I kind of look up the, the filmography and kind of the the production info, and I see, oh, Derek Kolstad. That name sounds familiar, so I look it up, and yeah, sure enough, John Wick writer. So I go into the movie, and it does, you're right, it's very, very lean filmmaking. It's very efficient. And just like those John Wick movies, more so the first one, this one has a very simple plot line and a very simple motivation. And I loved that about John Wick, and I love that about this movie. But to me, this movie, while having all of the best qualities of John Wick with the action, with the carnage, with with the, the kind of, like, ex-badass turned civilian kind of angle. I think this movie plays into that more, though. On top of all that, I felt like this movie was a lot more fun in a lot of different ways. Okay. It's, uh, there's, there's a lot of like dry humor elements in this movie, and it plays into them. It doesn't try to just like sweep them under the rug. There is some like legit humor in this movie, at least to me. Yeah, for sure. And like I said, it, it just took all of the best elements of John Wick and added more fun more comedy, and I just enjoyed it from beginning to end. And did you catch the 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 post credit scene or the mid credit yes. scene? Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. <laughs> like even that little moments like that, it's it's not an important scene. It's just kind of fun and it's funny. I loved that about this, and I hope we get more films in this universe. But I would almost kind of want to see like a crossover. <laughs> Well, I was going to say, this one feels way more grounded than the John Wicks, right? The John Wicks is like this elaborate assassin's world. Yeah, it's almost like a comic book, right? Yeah. This one is just like, he's an ex-auditor, which yeah. you find out what's that, what that means, you know? Right. And that's basically it. He's not some, he's a total badass, but he'd, he wasn't a bad guy. He was a good guy. Yeah. That just, I guess... I mean, <laughs> I don't know. This one feels way more grounded. Before That's a good point. we get, before we, you know, dive in, I don't even think we can spoil anything. Do you? I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And uh, it's not like this movie's brand spanking new. 
Yeah, I was going to say, that's the other thing. We haven't done a, a movie that's been out for a while in a while. Mm-hmm. We've been, the last however many episodes we've been holding back and not spoiling. I say we go for it on this one. Okay, all right, yeah. So this one we can talk a little bit deeper about. So yeah, let's talk basic like overall story structure, right? So it starts off, we have this very sort of timid suburban middle-aged soccer dad kind of guy. And uh, <laughs> he's like a total pushover, right? And and a lot like John Wick, there's one event that completely puts him over the edge and it like excites this hidden urge to get back into the game from a past that he has that we we eventually find out which the is that he game. was he was an FBI auditor quote unquote he was a cleanup man right yeah and then from there it's just like it's a revenge movie it's him like wrecking shit and wrecking house and then he gets in a little deep and gets the russian mob involved <laughs> yeah gets in a little over his head and then he's it's kind of a, a fight for survival to protect like his family and and himself really and so that basic plot structure is sort of very much in line with John Wick, although there are some differences. Uh, but I think the very general plot structure, it's very much related to the John Wick franchise, in my opinion. Like the first film, anyway. Yeah, so... You don't have, like, the dog in this movie. The the bracelet, the cat bracelet. Yeah, the is kitty a, cat bracelet Yeah, is the dog in this movie. Mm-hmm. And his watch. Yeah. <laughs> but... I do like how his path kind of veers into another path. Yeah. And th- and that other storyline just kind of disappears and it just on this new one. Right, yeah. And so that's he finds the bracelet, right? So he he finds the bracelet and it's a really shitty circumstance cuz the people who actually broke into his house to steal it they they don't go there to steal the bracelet, but they steal some money and take the bracelet. I guess. Well, they don't even take it, right? It's at home. Yeah, it's under the couch. <laughs> yeah, so they don't even take it. But I guess the motivation behind him being so obsessed with his bracelet is his daughter, who's like this little sweetheart that while everyone's kind of, you know, looking down on him because he's such a pushover, she totally looks up to him as a dad. And it's like little lines like when he asks if she's scared and she comes into the room with him and he's like, oh, she's like, why would I have to be scared? You're here. Like, she she doesn't see him that way. She kind of sees him as her father, who she can trust and feel protected by. And the so fact that... Get... Oh, what's that? Sorry. Well, yeah, and, and then the fact that she loses something that I guess she holds dear in some sense pushes him over the edge. I like that that element. And that fleshes out sort of, like, his civilian side, his, like, family life. So I get where you're coming from now, when you said you do think they developed character and stuff way more than than I think. Yeah. Because all of that stuff is there. It's just really subtle. And yeah. Really, they don't spend a lot of time on any of that. Right. But, yeah, right. it is there. So I, I get your point. And you pick it up. And, like, the editing, I have to say, too, also helps with that. I like the montage sequence of his everyday, like, 9 to 5 week. Like, the American he wakes Nightmare, up, dude. Yeah, he wakes up. Gets his coffee, goes to the bus stop. He's using his what his like MetroLink card or whatever. I don't know where the story takes place. <laughs> yeah. Goes into yeah, his job. Yeah, I was gonna ask that. Where the hell? What city are they? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. I was rolling a joint at the beginning of the movie, and I thought I missed like a title sequence where they stated what where they were. I don't think so. No. 
I got like when they were down in the city, I got like Chicago vibes, but I'm not sure. I wonder if they're living in like suburb Chicago or something. Yeah, but I didn't get how all the Russians were there. That's because the Russians are everywhere. <laughs> but why the fuck would the Russian, the Russian what mob, is it? the ob, ob, what is it? In oh yeah, they, the, the little the Russian uh, ob sock or something. Yeah, life savings. <laughs> the the Russian mob life life savings. That's all yeah. in cash over a hundred million dollars or whatever. Why the hell wouldn't that be in Russia? Okay, so this is a plot point of the movie. Their their savings for the mob switches hands. It's never in one place. Yeah, I know that, but it still so, seems really stupid to bring it to the U.S. Uh, I don't know. Under any circumstances. Yeah. So Maybe I'll just have to eat that. Maybe. I guess it just happened to be in this person's hands in the United States, wherever it is. Uh, but they don't say specifically where they are. I was going to ask you the same thing. Oh, no, I thought I missed it while I was rolling up. Yeah, no, I don't think so. So, yeah, back to, like, developing character, though. The editing of his like mundane activities, I loved that because it was all so quick, and in a span of like five minutes, you know exactly what this guy's about. Yeah, at least that side of him, because you don't really get the full picture until the plot starts to kick up. But I thought the first like, I think they spend the first fifteen to twenty minutes establishing his civilian suburban life, and yeah. I thought it was great. Like you, just from his interactions with his son. With his neighbor, you understand that, like, people kind of brush him off. He doesn't get respected because he's such a pushover. Uh, and you get that from his, like, father-in-law and his brother-in-law at work. I mean, maybe his father-in-law kind of understands where he's coming from a little bit and is, like, rooting for him, he says. But just in those, like, 15 to 20 minutes, that's enough to where you totally understand what this guy's civilian life is to an extent. But then... Once the plot takes off, you you figure out right away that it's kind of a charade. <laughs> it's like a total charade. This guy is a cold-blooded fucking killer. <laughs> like, yeah. He's an ultra ultra badass. Yeah. But but he does seem to like to take a beating. Yeah, and that's that's another thing. He's he's very much into the game. Yeah. And I liked, I liked the other John Wick thing they do too, where like you get little hints of this guy's past, and when people catch on, they like run away scared, like when they see the tattoo on his wrist and the yeah, the seven deuce yeah, and the Poker character hand. like totally leaves the room. It's like I'm good. It's that whole John Wick thing, right? Like you stole fucking John Wick's car. <laughs> like um, I don't think John Wick likes to get beat up like uh, no, like Hutch does. So Hutch is very much into, like, he just wants to get fucked up, and he wants to fuck up other people in the process. <laughs> Whereas John Wick is like, ah, all right, now I got to go through the motions and, like, fuck some people up. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that is a difference there. I don't know. I just feel like this character, we get a very well-rounded idea of who this character is on both sides. More so maybe the civilian side of things. But uh, I do feel like you get an idea of who this character is in the badass world he comes from. And that comes from his his father and his brother, I'm assuming, has the same last name as him. Yeah, Riza. Yeah, Riza. Harry Mansell. You know the whole time he was on the, the speaker, I thought it was Forrest Whitaker? He sounded like Forrest Whitaker. Yeah, I was trying to figure out who it was because I knew the voice. Yeah, I did too. 
I didn't think it was Forrest Whitaker, but I was trying to figure out who it was. <laughs> Were you surprised when you saw him? I was stoked. Yeah, it was super cool. <laughs> I saw Wu-Tang a couple of years ago at a concert. They were awesome. Oh, nice. So, yeah, what did you think of so the, the MacGuffin of this movie? Like, what, he's, what sets him on the path, I guess? The, the bracelet, I guess. Was that enough where, where it was believable for you? Where you're like, I could see him going postal because of something stupid like that? I think it makes sense given his background. Okay. Like, because you get the you get the sense that he is completely miserable with his life. <laughs> yeah. However, he does love his his family. Yeah. However unfulfilling his actual life is he does love his family and the the i think the kitty cat bracelet is something so minor that it makes sense that it set him off that much yeah it's like he's just on the edge that much where it's it's that little insignificant thing that pushes him over <laughs> right like his, he's boiling his over and gets socked in the face yeah doesn't even really move his pulse that much he's just like hey Right when his son yeah. gets punched in the face during the initial break-in, but his you know his little princess, yeah, and her kitty. I think it's I think it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I I actually thought so too. I just wasn't sure if it worked for you or not. I, it totally worked. Everything worked right. Like the opening scene where he lights up the cigarette and then pulls out the can of tuna, <laughs> and puts the kitty pulls oh, the kitty God. out of his coat and puts it on the table. That is the perfect intro to this character. I love that. Dude. Yeah, and then to be able to return to that and understand what's going on, it it's like even better the second time. The first time you watch it, it's it's good enough. Yeah. But then once you get the context of it at the end, it's like, <laughs> this guy's nuts. There's two set pieces I want to talk about, and I think they're they're kind of like they're major points in the film in terms okay. of the plot. And you mentioned it before. It's I think one of your favorite sequences, but it's the bus scene. So that's the point where we kind of cut off the the branch of the the cat bracelet because yeah. he's supposed to be on his way home to go back to his family because he, th- yeah. he he understands how ridiculous his actions were. But then he gets on the bus and this group of Russian mobsters comes on. They're all shit faced. <laughs> yeah, and they and smash their their car. Yeah, and they're the douchebags. And like you said, they don't even really do anything to him. It just kind of triggers something in his mind where he's like, all right, I want to go. Let's go. <laughs> so well, he's got blue balls, right? He's got revenge blue balls because <laughs> that's he, a great he, way of putting it. Yeah. He tracked down. <laughs> he tracked down the people that broke into his house and he was going to get his revenge. And then he realized this is like a young couple that's eating freaking top ramen for dinner. Yeah, they're struggling. A, a baby on a breathing Oxygen. machine yeah. inside the room. And so he's got total blue balls from his revenge, right? Right. And then these guys just waltz in and it's just it's just perfect. Well, okay, and then that scene also tells you something about his character in that he's not just a mindless killer. Like this guy yeah. has a morality to him. Yeah. So that goes back to that lean filmmaking thing where you can insert little things like that that don't bog the plot down because you can keep going. But they tell you a lot about who this guy is. And it's it's those films that, like, when they actively try to develop a character and they take, like, 30 minutes to do it. 
<laughs> Those they that's do a couple when, flashbacks to their childhood and yeah stuff like that, like super dramatic moments and stuff. And yeah. it's, it, that's when that stuff can get kind of heavy and just a slog to get through. This is my favorite kind of writing where you can you like you you just jump into the story and it keeps going. And this film has a definite pace to it. Oh, yeah. I felt like. Oh yeah. And it never slows down. It only ramps up and up and up. And then it finally kind of chills out at the end once we get some resolution. But even at the end, like there's the the end the 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 final line of the movie. It's like it hints at a lot of different things. <laughs> and I loved the last line of this movie. And we'll talk about it uh before we we move on, but I I just really liked the pacing of this movie and I liked how well it's able to manage character development while giving you all the action, all of the plot line, and be entertaining at the same time. Like, it's it's really hard to do. Entertaining, funny. Yeah, it's funny. What I was it about pin- that sequence that, that you liked so much before you ask your I'll question? I'll get to that in a, in a second. Okay. But I want to pin down on something you said, how it, nothing bogged the plot down Yeah. in this movie. Mm-hmm. So when he's on the bus... And the guys roll out next, uh, the the Hummer or whatever SUV yeah. comes out behind the bus. Mm-hmm. There was a moment in there where I was thinking, oh, the people that he just busted into their house and was going to kill them, but he didn't, they must have some good friends. Like for a okay. second, I thought that was part of the plot. But to I, your point, I thought the same thing. As soon as they crash the car and stumble out of the car all shit-faced, <laughs> you realize, like, literally, what, yeah. 30 seconds later, right. you realize they're not associated with that first couple. So you're like, you've already completely put that first side, that first branch of the storyline to bed. Right. And you know that, like, this is where it's going now. Right. And, see, if, if they were to do it the way that we thought it was going, it wouldn't have made sense because the whole idea with that is to to – paint them as a sympathetic group of characters or couple of characters. And if they were to demonstrate his, his empathy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't do that, but it makes for an interesting plot setup because it's almost like a, like a, like a little trick, right? Yeah. Like, so John wick is a very much like focused plot. That's straight and narrow all the way through following one plot line. This one has that, that straight and narrow plot, but then it kind of veers off and then, like you said, it gets cut off, and then we're on a new path, and then that becomes the focus. So that's that's an interesting way to do it, I think. And that bus scene is the like the impetus for that. Yeah, and you asked me about the bus scene. <laughs> like, what what I like so much about it is how unassuming Bob Odenkirk is <laughs> as, as a character. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that he is just like walks walks through walks through the guys to get off the bus. Yeah. You know, escorts the lady off the bus, puts mm-hmm. her phone so calm, <laughs> you know, and then turns around and is just like, I'm going to fuck you guys up. <laughs> and I then just, they laugh at him, right? Yeah, they laugh at him. They get, and the one guy's like, I'll, I'll take this, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like he takes a couple hits up front on Oh, purpose. before he does that, he empties out his revolver. Yeah, just to <laughs> demonstrate to them, like, I just want to have a brawl. <laughs> With you guys, you know? Yeah. And then there's just this epic, what, 12, 13-minute beatdown where everybody's getting beat down. 
Yeah. It might be shorter than that. He takes a beating too. It's oh, not just him talked, kicking dude, ass. He gets stabbed. He gets <laughs> tossed out of the truck. Like it's so good, dude. Or tossed yeah. out of the bus through a window. Yeah. No. It's so that so was good, dude. that was like a set, a set piece, like an iconic sequence of this movie. The second one I wanted to talk about was what I call the Home Alone sequence. Okay. When he's in the warehouse at the end. Oh, that one. Yeah. Like when he's he's rigging up all the the uh, the gadgets and the the booby traps and stuff. Oh, that's what you mean by yeah. Home Alone. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I thought you were asking about the other insane epic beatdown when Before he takes that. on the whole SWAT team in his freaking house. <laughs> oh yeah, that's another great moment too. Dude, it's it's awesome. Yeah. There's like a, a series of several like big action set pieces, but the one that I'm that caught my attention was the very last one, the Home Alone sequence. I just loved that whole thing. And then being able to tie in like his brother and his dad into the, the sequence. First off, like I know I'm skipping ahead a bit, but just to see Christopher Lloyd in this movie, I was stoked. I was like, I can't remember the last film I saw Christopher Lloyd in. And he's playing the character I would expect him to play in a movie like this. Like, okay, he's the old guy in the nursing home. I think we did a movie with him in it. Christopher Lloyd? I think so. Really? I think he was like a side character in one of the whatever 78 episodes we've done. Maybe he was then. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I might be tripping. I don't have that um, 80s, 90s nostalgia for him. I oh, do okay. like him as an actor, but I, I've i never watched any of the Back to Feature movies. Get front the to fuck back. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I I knew that was going to kind of <laughs> stop you in your tracks right there. But wow. I got to be honest. I've I've seen a whole bunch of all of them. Yeah, cuz they're always on TV and stuff. Yeah, but I've never once watched them front to back storyline wise. Wow, that is impressive. <laughs> like I think you'd have to try harder to do that than to watch it. <laughs> I guess, right. I don't know. Maybe one of these episodes we'll have to do a back to the future. Okay. Cool. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, obviously for me and for millions of other people, he's always going to be Dr. Emmett Brown. But then at the end of the film, he's like, he has a shotgun and he's like wrecking a house. A couple of shotguns. Yeah. I loved when it's just a little line of like he calls up his dad and he's like, I started some shit and it's pretty deep now. So I'm just letting you know. And he doesn't say much more than that and gets off the phone. Yeah. And then what follows after that, is just like it was so joyous to see Christopher Lloyd in a role like that at his age too. Like it, it was. I don't know. It exceeded my expectation, and I loved how he was like front and center with the rest of the guys, like in the thick of the action in that sequence. It was so I, cool. That sequence was really fun, but the sequence where he he takes down the two guys that are come to kill him in the retirement home. Yeah, where he sticks his finger. Beyond the uh, yeah. between the hammer uh-huh. on that guy's gun, <laughs> and then blasts the other guy into the wall with a shotgun under the blanket is like so awesome, dude. Yeah, and then on top of all that, they're able to weave in like part of his character because he's sitting there watching these old westerns, right? Yeah, and you're like, he just shot a shotgun two times in this nursing home. How does no one hear that? And then you got one of the front desk people coming into the room and he raises the volume up on his TV and he's like, you got to turn that down, man. <laughs> yeah, he totally gets away with it. Yeah. And then they even, they explain like in terms of how that even gets further cleaned up, which was kind of cool. Cause I was like, how do you get out of that situation? 
Well, that's the whole kind of thing in the movie. It's like, how the hell aren't the cops all over this guy? Yeah. And it's like, oh, because any cops that get drawn onto his path get a call from somebody who they don't know. Right. That's like, back off. <laughs> you know, this guy's done dirty work all over the world for us for however long. Yeah. I got to ask you something about the way this story is written. Mm-hmm. Much like John Wick, I feel like there is a total lot of leeway to spin this. Oh, off, yeah. Either back in time. Yeah. Or continue the story. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know potentially I mean? have another franchise on your hand here. Like, uh, yeah, like you said, you could go into the future, which is kind of what they hint at at the end, or you could go back in time. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you how do you get Bob Odenkirk? He's born in, uh, where we go, 62? Okay, so he's like, damn, he's older than I thought. But he's kind of the right damn, age. Damn, he looks good for his age. <laughs> right, Jesus. He's, he's, he's. I mean, I know he's been around forever. I remember seeing him on a bunch of comedy shows. Yeah, back in the day that that I liked a lot that got canceled. Uh-huh. And then Breaking Bad. I haven't watched Better Call Saul, but I feel like the way the movie's written, he's kind of the right age mm-hmm. to go ballistic with the de aging. Yeah, or you like just he's still in good enough shape mm-hmm. to do action. And he's not so old that the de-aging is going to like look really weird like kind of did on uh, Irishman. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But I feel like if, if you do take this into, turn it into a one-shot movie, into a franchise, mm-hmm. you go back in time. That's what you would want? Yeah, because I want to see him in freaking India or something. <laughs> or, you know? Yeah. Eastern Europe somewhere and set it back in the, you know, there's so much cool history you could jump back to. Yeah, so you would de-age him. I think he's the right age where it would work really well. Okay. Because both both you and I, I mean, I knew he was in his 50s. Mm-hmm. I didn't know he was closer to this, his 60s than his 50s, you know? Yeah. I thought he was on the front end, but he's more on the back end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he'll be 60 next year. Either way, I mean, you can de-age him or just cast Patrick Wilson. Either way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Bob's got this freaking, this gangstiness from all of his characters. Yeah. Do you have, okay, before we move into characters, I think we've kind of fleshed out the story pretty well, right? Yeah, I do want to. I, I said I was going to talk about that last line of the movie, and I want to oh, okay. ask yeah, you about me. that. Hit me. And then I got a proposition for you. Okay. All right. So the the film ends after they've they've kind of cleaned up the loose ends, and he, he's pretty much taken out everyone that's been looking after him, like looking out to get him. And so him and his wife, they're out looking for a new home because their home got thrashed. And uh, someone calls the realtor's cell phone, and you kind of know immediately what's going to happen. She's like, oh, it's for you. And he, he answers it. And then once he gets off the phone, you can see that there's like some kind of concern on his face. And he's like, we were wondering if the home... And then he looks at his wife and Connie Nelson just is like, if it comes with a basement. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was like the perfect way to end this movie. Yeah, because you know the Russians ain't going to freaking put up with that. They're coming back. No, he just destroyed the entire savings of the Russian mob. <laughs> yeah, and took out 
couple hundred guys, yeah, all told. Right. Maybe not. Maybe close to a hundred guys. Close, yeah. Because uh, there's like, let's see, he well he maybe not a hundred, but he fucks up five in, on the bus. <laughs> he takes out what? There's three or four cars that mob his house. Yeah, basically like a whole SWAT squad of people. So let's say there's five people in each of those cars. Let's make that at 20 and it's 25. There's, what, 30, 40, maybe 50-ish In the building. On the final sequence. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's not an exaggeration then. Yeah, so he's somewhere around 100 dudes and a couple hundred millions. Of, oh, wait. did We didn't even count the montage yeah, of the sequence where he fucked up the entire the building with the money building guarding the money. Yeah, <laughs> we forgot about that. Oh yeah, he's right. hundred plus. <laughs> he's yeah, hundred so, plus. So he wrecks shop for sure. Let me ask you something before we move off story. That's yeah. that sequence as far as it's part of the story. Do you feel like it was right to montage that? Yeah, like montage the most epic one. You thought that was then, the most epic one? Well, in terms of a volume of or like a gravity of what he was doing. That one was like the most unbelievable. So I feel like the montage was the right path because oh yeah. It would have taken forever to make that like the bus scene. Yeah, and I feel like if you don't montage that, the last sequence isn't as impressive. Okay. So yeah, I felt like it was a good way to kind of get through it but then also realize what he was doing. And then I love the slow-mo when he's, like, setting fire to the money. Oh, dude. <laughs> so good. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, what was your proposition? All right. Well, let me ask you this before we get to your proposition. Um, did you like how they ended the movie? Yeah. Okay. So it's it works just for like, you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's similar to the John Wicks. It's like, take it. <laughs> take it and run with it, you know? Yeah. It's awesome. Yep. I love these types of movies. Make more of them. Cool. I didn't see the first John Wick until the third one came out in theaters. Oh, all right. And then I banged out the first two and went to three in the theater. Oh, okay. All right. So I kind of like fasted and then gorged on it. Gotcha, yeah. Now, the first one had a ton of hype behind it after it got released. Yeah. And I think that's the film franchise that really put keanu back on the map as like a serious actor because <laughs> he tailed yeah, he, off for a while i like, love me some keanu dude <laughs> yeah all right here's my proposition okay i haven't watched back to the future you haven't watched breaking bad i have not breaking bad is slightly a larger commitment slightly yeah back to the future there's what three of them oh yeah you're talking about all three of them i'm just talking about the first film okay well I'll make you a deal. I'll watch, I'll make an effort to watch those. Yeah. All of them. Okay. And you start Breaking Bad. All right, cool. Start watching it. Yeah. Because once you start watching it, you're not going to stop. <laughs> so I've heard from everyone I ever talked to. Ever. It's so fucking good. <laughs> like, if you liked this movie. Yeah. It, it's not that action-packed, but mm-hmm. the story in it. And the writing is so good, dude. Okay. Cranston yeah, I'll have to give is, it a watch. It's so good. And Bob Odenkirk's in it. And yeah. Then, right? I haven't watched the spinoff Better Call Saul, but I'm sure it's good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Deal? 
I'll make a deal. Is yeah. that a deal? It's a deal. All right. Cool. I think Breaking Bad's on Netflix. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, yeah. I've been meaning to get to that at, at some point anyway. Along with Peaky Blinders, because my, my cousin will not shut up about Peaky Blinders. Peaky's good. The last <laughs> season's about to come out. Yeah. Or it probably won't be for us till the fall, but they, they've shot it. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, deal. Let's get into some of these characters, man, because there's some okay. good ones. We are going to start off with Bob Odenkirk himself. The guy, <laughs> I buy him in both roles. I buy him as the soccer dad, and I buy him as the badass. Maybe more so as the soccer dad, just like looking at him physically in terms of like his build and stuff. But he has this weird quality of like pulling off this gruff, kind of rugged dude. Yeah. He has like that side of him too. So I, I bought both both sides of his character, and I thought he was like, he's what keeps you in on the story. He's like the centerpiece of the whole thing. Yeah, he's not like your first choice for action. No. But it kind of, I do think his more recent TV work on Breaking Bad, and I'm sure Better Call, Better Call Saul, he mm-hmm. has that kind of like. He's a badass in those shows? Not like this. Oh, okay. He's, he's a, a lawyer for criminals in Breaking Bad. Right. So he's I like. I can kind of see where that goes. But he, he has that. like, you know, this kind of. Not, I don't want to say tough guy, but just like this uh, criminal credibility. Gotcha, yeah. You know, and that, I think that's why it works in this movie. Because I thought they paid attention to his his frame and his build a lot. Mm-hmm. They didn't make him just like a ultra badass. Yeah, they didn't put him like, on like a 3,000 calorie diet and have him lift <laughs> pump iron. <laughs> Yeah, and, like, he gets fucked up, but when he, like, hits dudes and stuff, it doesn't just, like, drop him. He really has to use his, his brain in these situations. Yeah. A lot, and mm-hmm. I, I, I really like that. Yeah. And he's great, man. I love him. Yeah, he's so good in this movie. I, I liked him a lot, too. Alexei Serebryakov. He plays, like, the main antagonist. He's the keeper of the mob money. And his character, Yulian Kuznetsov. I'm sure I'm pronouncing that terribly. I think um, the, I was going to say, I think those were pretty good. Yeah. That's what you fake it till you make it. He's got some shitty dance moves. Yeah. So the introduction to this character, I took him as like the Russian Hugh Hefner of the mob. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I, like I saw. That. I like that. <laughs> That's what I saw. But yeah, I mean, he, he he plays it exactly how you would expect him to play that role as this Russian mob boss. And he's not even, like, the high-up guy. Like, he's just holding the money for him. So that's what's kind of cool. Like, there's even worse fellows out there that you could introduce. Oh, yeah, he's just, like... Uh, he's, like, a low-level guy. Low and he level. has all of these, these like, these thugs at his disposal, too. I liked his performance. And I wanted to ask... I, I like the really on-the-nose Russian bad guy. Yeah, there's something fun about it, right? And especially yeah, in this genre I like movie. It, you know? Yeah. You expect that in this genre movie, for sure. And so. I, I gotta say, I absolutely loved his murder scene when he busts the martini glass. Yeah. And then, like, rips it down that guy's face. Mm hmm. God, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. This is, like, your favorite genre, isn't it? Yeah. Are some of your favorite genres? I think this 
with uh, a, f- a really hot female doing the ass kicking is my favorite genre. <laughs> so yeah, Atomic Blonde basically is yes. your favorite genre. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Okay, let's continue. Connie Nielsen, I love that she was in this movie. She's, uh, you know, we all know her from Wonder Woman. And, yeah, she's she's just so great. Like, she goes from Hippolyta, who's, like, this ultra-strong, like, Amazonian warrior, just in that movie, to this one. And I liked seeing her, like, her in that kind of suburban role, like the mom. And she plays up her dynamic with Hutch. Hutch. It's it's so well done. Like you get you get that their marriage and their relationship is very much like it's gotten to the point where it's it's boring. They sleep with a border between them in bed. Brutal. Yeah. She does a really great job of of showing that there is some of that spark left. And I I loved the very very brief moments between them where things are quiet and like when he comes home after being <laughs> totally thrashed on the bus. Yeah. She's not all like, you know, oh my God, what happened? Like, she's kind of cool and collected. And that's when he starts, they start kind of diving into like what happened to them. And so, I like that. I, for one, I, like, I loved her performance. I loved that she played the, the mom version of the American Nightmare <laughs> that, I've, that I talk shit about all the time. Yeah. But I, I still have a bit of confusion as to how much of his past she knows. Mm. Right? So what I'm getting at is... They don't really I say. Un- I was under the impression that she had no idea about his past at all. But then when he comes home from the bus... She's not shocked about it. She's not shocked about it. Yeah. So then I'm kind of in the boat of like, okay, she's used to this part, mm-hmm. the aftermath. Yeah. But he still has never told her details of anything that just happened to him right that's almost like boat i'm in now yeah it's almost like she's pieced together all these little hints and she's aware of something yeah but yeah so i mean they met after he'd already given that all up right Mm -hmm. essentially in italy so yes but yeah i loved her performance and she's like fine she's so fine (laughs) in this movie (laughs) christopher lloyd i already talked a little bit about christopher lloyd i (laughs) I love that he was in this movie. I want to know what they said to him when they were pitching this idea to him. <laughs> yeah. What I'm sure was it wasn't born? real too hard. 1938. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's not looking so too bad for his age either. He's, uh, what is they call that? He's not, he's, he's kind of a tweener in generations, right? He's not a boomer because he's pre-World War II. No, he's not the greatest generation. He's not the greatest because he's, he's a little beyond that, that, yeah. World War One batch. Mm-hmm. He's he's like a whatever that generation he's like the Gen X Yeah. Of our generation. He's a, <laughs> he's Even almost like we're the, millennials. Same, the same generation like as like the Beatles and stuff. That tweener generation. Yeah, for sure. Um another eighties star that I was super surprised to see was Michael Ironside. Do you recognize his face like in his, his headshot? Yes. Yeah, he was but in like I don't I can't Starship Troopers. We just talked about that before oh. the show started, remember? He was in Top Gun, Total okay. Recall. Yeah, yeah. He plays Got like it. a lot of these hard-nosed characters. And you can tell it's him in this film. He's gained some weight, but 
he still kind of has that that sort of like rugged no nonsense kind of character guy in this movie so i was super happy to see him in this it was shocking to me for sure i loved rizza rizza yeah He's and I want to shout out that he really dumbed down his accent for this role. Like, I want to give him props there. Oh, okay. Because normally he's got a pretty thick New York type of hip hop thing going on. Mm-hmm. And he see, totally, I get that. I get the New totally York thing. Did, like, dumbed it down. It's there slightly, but it's not his his normal. Gotcha. Speech. I think that's probably why that. I miss mixed him up with Forrest Whitaker because Forrest Whitaker also has a bit of that like Brooklyn thing going on. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, it sounds like Forrest Whitaker. Nah, it's it's totally him. And <laughs> I loved, even though we don't really get to see him a whole lot, I loved any time he was on the radio. Yeah, I like, like that little radio setup they had. Yeah, I like their really their, cool. their their dynamic. Their sure. sneaky tech, dude. Yeah, I have to shout out uh, Paisley. Catarath, and she plays Abby. She plays uh, his his daughter. She plays Hutch, Hutch's daughter. She was so sweet and cute, and like you totally buy the feelings he has for her with yeah. with that performance. She was really good. I liked uh, Colin Salmon. Yeah, Salmon, the barber. Mm-hmm. I think he's like a a pretty good cog in a spinoff universe. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Introducing a kind of like a big boss man in the universe type character. Yeah. And then I got to shout out J.P. Minot. He okay, plays yeah. He plays the contact inside the CIA or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the one that gets blackmailed. That looks up uh, Hutch's file and sends it to the, the Russians, and the one girl's like, I quit. Here you go. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. I love that shit. But- he was a recurring character on one of my favorite shows ever, Reno Nine One One. Oh, and they would they would yeah. always roll up on him at the at the whorehouse, and he would be like chained to a bed, or like <laughs> he's the one who called the cops, filing a complaint, wanting his money back. And then he played a couple other characters, like uh, drugged out foreigners that don't speak any English, <laughs> wandered around with no pants on. So uh. I just want to shout him out. I love that show so much. And I was stoked to see him in this movie. Yeah, awesome. G- Gage Monroe, I thought, did a good job as Blake Mansell. You really understand, like, you understand where he's coming from, too, because he feels like he doesn't have a father that is able to stick up for him when he needs when he needs it. I, uh, I liked his performance, mm-hmm. and I just had, like, another thought on how you said you do think they developed characters really well, really efficiently. Mm-hmm. He's a perfect example. Yeah. Right? Like, he's admitting this aloof teenager who kind of questions his dad's manhood. Right. But after his dad lets him out of the basement and he sees the carnage that his dad has wrought (laughs) on these dudes. Yeah. And I don't even know if he's in the movie much after that. He's not. And you still know, like, okay, he gets it now. He's got that opinion of his father has definitely changed. Right. So yeah, that's some. Uh, it's I, a payoff. I get you, I, I'm coming your way on the character development stuff. Yeah, and then shout out to uh, Araya Mingesha as Pavel. <laughs> he's like he's the Russian uh, badass part of the the crew there, and he has a pretty uh, pretty brutal death scene. <laughs> oh, is he the uh, 
the Ethiopian dude? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about up. that sequence, but I love that act. We didn't even mention that one yet. Yeah, like that one is kind of like the predecessor <laughs> of the the house scene, but that one's yeah. awesome too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but he, yeah, he does die in a pretty gruesome way. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, and I love like <laughs> there's they do it a couple times. Part of the the comedy, but I love when he's like totally going into this monologue and he's telling these guys a story when they're like half dead and then they just check out by the time he's even before he's done telling the story and he's just like, it happens twice. (laughs) Yeah, it's great. So that goes back to part of that dry humor that I love in this movie. Well, yeah, let's move on then. I think we gave, did you shout out everyone you wanted to talk about? I think I, yeah, yeah, Yeah. for sure. All right. Well, let's talk about, uh, some of the uh, the tech aspects of this movie, the technical elements of the filmmaking, uh, cinematography, effects, everything. There were a few shots in this movie that stood out to me like a sore thumb that I thought were just badass. Okay. And the one that I immediately want to go to is the perspective shot of the pistol as it's flying through the air and you see oh. him grab it in perspective yeah. to take yeah. someone out. I love that uh... shot. Yeah, that's the gun from the freezer, right? Yeah. That has play in the earlier part of the movie. Right. But yeah, it's it's really cool because you can like Hutch tosses it to Riza. I forget his name. What's his name? Harry? Yeah. Yeah. And I loved how like you can in the beginning you don't know where it's going, but like you can see him and then you're like, Oh sweet, he's gonna catch it, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I thought that was sweet. Yeah, it was a really cool shot. I forgot about that shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love the slow-mo shot of him tossing the burning wad of bills onto the the mob's uh, life savings. Okay. I loved all the slow-mo sequences in this movie because I thought they worked. A lot of times they're like a little overdramatic. Um, the slow-mo in this movie, I think everywhere works so well. So I have a scene that I really liked. I don't know if it it's my favorite in the movie, but all of the action scenes throughout the movie, I loved every single one of them. They were all awesome. But one shot in particular really stood out to me was the trunk of the car sequence. Okay, yeah, that was a good and one. The sh- and the shot at the end, and I feel like it was a really cool choice to have the car crash into frame. Oh, okay, yeah. You didn't see the crash. Yeah. Right? You heard... You know, you had the tail of the car. You you saw the explosion of the car hitting the shit. Mm-hmm. But then it cut to just a, you know, motionless street, and the car comes flipping into the screen. <laughs> and cr- dude, like I thought that was so different. Yeah. From an action movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always like drive the car off the ramp sideways, and it does a barrel roll. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I thought it was so cool to like almost tease you or almost like hold back that epic car crash from you. And you just see the freaking yeah, the tail end of it. You know, I thought that was so cool. I thought it was really good too. And I, I will mention again, just because we're here in this section already, but the whole montage in the very beginning, even though there's no action of them showing you how boring this guy's life is, (laughs) it was really effective. Uh, (laughs) And I like the pacing of it all. It's all real quick. I guess yeah. that, that's what keeps you in it. It's not just like 
you following him out the door and the camera moving. It's just quick cut of like coffee, getting on the bus or whatever, going to work, looking at an Excel spreadsheet, and then <laughs> doing it all over again. Uh, I thought it was super effective. And the editing overall in the entire film I thought was fantastic. I liked how they really, really feels like they put the most amount of the effort of the movie into all the action scenes. Yeah. Like, I feel like everyone was choreographed to uh, the same bar. Yeah, like, it's almost like every action sequence in this film could have been the big one. Yes, that's 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 a perfect way of saying it. Yeah. yeah. I totally get where you're coming from. Oh, dude, it was so cool. And, like, the the shot of the record that catches fire. Oh, yeah. When he burns his own house down. Right, yeah. So cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so what did cool. you think of the, the, the effects in this movie? I thought the gunshots carried a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. They seemed quite legit. Yeah. And, like, I really enjoyed, not that I'm, like, a gun nut or anything, mm-hmm. but, like, that they paid attention to caliber and size Well, a lot in again, this movie, there's, right? Again, there's a little, another little nugget of showing you, of getting into the character. I that's actually I think one of the first hints you get that yeah, he has he, a past when he's trying to remember. Yeah, and he remembers the he. It's not he. It doesn't even really like phase him. He just knows immediately. Like, and he says it kind of daydreaming. He's like, "No, it wasn't that. It was uh, I forget the name of the. He gives you the I, model I and everything. Know. Yeah, and that just that little line right there tells you that this guy has a past. Yeah, because no one would know that if you weren't familiar with it in the first place. And there's other details, right? Like when he calls out the exact model and everything of the gun yeah, that uh, the girl robbed him with, the one that she, she stuck in his face. Right. And then like when Rizzo's shooting dudes out of the second floor of the warehouse, he's got like a big-ass shotgun with a silencer on it. <laughs> right? Like he's shooting, I forget, I don't really know what they're called or whatever, but like I think they're called like slugs or something. Uh huh. Where it's not BBs coming out of the shotgun, but you're actually shooting a big ass thing. Because when he's shooting those people, they're like getting blasted, dude. They're like getting launched. You're talking about Riza? Yeah. Okay. I thought he actually did have like a like a full on like a fifty cal sniper rifle yeah. or something. Well, I did too, because mm-hmm. in my head I was like. That uh, or I guess I could be wrong, but I do think when he takes the when he takes the silencer off and or suppressor or whatever it's uh-huh. called and fucks the guy up with it, yeah, and then uses his gun again, it's a shotgun at that point. Oh, okay. The only reason I thought it was a full-on sniper rifle is when he shot those three dudes in a line and they went through each one of their heads. Yeah, it could have been. I could be way off on that, but I just yeah, dude, that was so sweet, dude. <laughs> That was so sweet. Three dudes at once, and then he's like bragging about it. Yeah, you know, in that that one cutscene at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sweet. <laughs> I I can't say anything bad about how any of it was shot, man. It was. Yeah, I it felt was... like it. This movie really jacked my heart rate up and just kept it there. Yeah, I think so too. I don't, there weren't wasn't any point in this film where I felt like I was sitting watching it. I yeah. just was completely invested the whole time. I was just pumped. <laughs> and 
I think for me, that says a lot for me because this isn't my favorite genre of film, to be honest. Okay. Like the shoot 'em up action movie with like mobsters and stuff. Yeah. I'm it's not like my fir- the genre I gravitate towards. But it's film when done like this, when done when it's done like John Wick, it's a different story. So that's why I was so surprised by this movie. I the only reason I even suggested it is because I was like well, I mean it has Bob Odenkirk in it and it's yeah. on iTunes, so I was like it it's probably decent. And it blew my socks off. I was, I was surprised at how good it was. It's got a freaking 94 audience and an 84 critics. Yeah. On the tomato meter. So it's solid. And, and for an 84 on an action film, it's really hard. It's really hard to do. So, yeah, for sure. Let's, uh, great. let's move into score, which I actually really enjoyed in this movie. I'm talking okay. about soundtrack and the score itself. Okay. I'll start off with the score. I I I liked how it was. It had kind of that uh that house like techno electronic sound to it. It it kind of it goes in line with the pace of the film. It keeps that kind of pulse going, and and I thought it was really effective, and it keeps you excited, and it it never, it never tries to, to add too much to a scene. It, it just it was always kind of there as a compliment to me. So I thought it worked really really well. And then, I, in terms of oh, the soundtrack, yeah. sorry, again, I loved, <laughs> I loved the the music selection in this movie, and I knew you would you would dig it too. I loved it, dude. <laughs> I loved there was comedy mixed in. Yeah, because the the montage scene right is like a it's some type of like you know lounge. It's like yeah, jazz lounge Sinatra. Yeah, kind of dude, stuff. and. There was a bunch of kind of like classic rock sounding stuff. Mm-hmm. There was the songs that I knew and songs that I didn't, but every bit of it, I was just like, this is just perfect, man. <laughs> it's that like quirk, it, right? That quirk element where you have yeah. like the Sinatra song going in a slow-mo sequence where he's just annihilating people. Yeah, there's a lot of good shit in here. <laughs> I'm looking at the soundtrack right now. Yeah, what do we got on there? There's a lot of good stuff, dude. I can't remember, like, off the top of my head some of the songs. Wait a second. Oh, never mind. I was on, uh... <laughs> I clicked... I was on Bob Odenkirk. I wasn't on the movie itself. Oh, gotcha. My bad. <laughs> I was like, damn, he does... I don't remember that song, but I picked it up quick. But I feel like in action movies, using... Utilizing, you know, popular music is the most effective. I feel like it's the most, the, a genre where it's the most effective to use popular music. In the action genre. Yeah, in, and like in action scenes specifically even. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I guess Atomic Blonde, right, is the perfect example of that. Oh, that's the high watermark, you know. Yeah, it's like a music video in that sense. The George Michael dude in the apartment. <laughs> God, that's good. I gotta watch that movie again. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's hope they get that sequel off the ground. Do it, Netflix. I'm hearing, or they've been saying forever. <sighs> well, we're uh, we're reaching the point, and I think this one's gonna be really hard to like to not give perfect scores to. But before we get into the scores, let's let's go with the love hates, if there are any hates. Then let's All start right. off with you. I think what I loved was was the attention paid to the action scenes. Okay. It's just so much so much fun to just <laughs> not have punches thrown thro- thrown guys through walls 
and endless amounts of bullets and guns mm-hmm. and objects that do what they would do like the 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 stabbings in this the hitting with guns the pipes the freaking rebar that he shoots out of the freaking whatever those are and yeah. the, like i love the attention paid to the three-dimensional objects that he fights with oh okay so like the realism of it all the re- yeah gotcha yeah. the realism of the action i ca- i don't hate anything <laughs> there's i can't poke a hole in any one bit there wasn't one actor i didn't like there wasn't one beat of the story that i didn't like i love the score yeah i love the length i mean it was an hour and 20 minutes and it Mm -hmm. was just like man that was sweet you know it like left you wanting more right so yeah no hates for me man so good yeah for sure i think for me what i loved most about this movie is I liked how well they were able to manage character development while keeping the plot going and while maintaining a sense of heightened action. You were able to get all of that, just the right amount of character development where you knew exactly who this person was, what he was about, and what motivated him within a span of like 15 minutes. And I like how all of that pays off as the film goes on too. It doesn't just stop. Like you get little pay like little callbacks and paybacks as the film progresses. And I absolutely loved that. And I loved Bob Odenkirk. I, I loved his performance. And I thought he was the perfect cast for, casting for this role. He definitely like kept me interested throughout. Uh, in terms of hates, there isn't really a hate. And if I can be super nitpicky about one thing, it would be that just that it's coming from the writer of John Wick, I understand why there may be like in you know a beat there that he kind of goes back and revisits uh. but even still like i thought there was enough there were enough new wrinkles in this story where i even told you i think i even enjoy this movie more than the first john wick so if yeah there was if there was anything i could poke just a tiny hole in i would say it's a story that i'm very familiar with on some accounts but they did enough differently and added enough to that story to that beat where i really had a good time i like where you're going with that because i've been thinking how the hell to score this movie or to to rank this movie yeah where can i poke a hole in it and where i was at was like originality and (laughs) yeah and and messaging right Uh there's no messaging in this movie it's an action movie yeah you know the 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 fivers usually have a uh real life either historical or modern contemporary Mm -hmm. type of messaging that gives it that bump up to where it's meaningful. So yeah, I'm, I'm struggling, (laughs) struggling where, cause like this movie has none of the messaging and obviously the storyline has a very similar rhythm, right? To the John wicks with different specifics, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 But then, then it gets back to like writers are comfortable in their wheelhouses, right? Yeah. And some writers go outside of their wheelhouse and it's disastrous. Mm-hmm. So do we reward staying in the wheelhouse or do we dock it for not being original? I'm not even really going to dock it. So okay. like we can start well, with you're going to have to want. go first. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the fact that this film was solid, it received 
a solid score, like a favorable review from 261 reviews reviewers on Rotten Tomatoes. It has an 84%. 84% of 261 critics gave this a favorable review. So that right there shows you, like, it may have a lot of the same beats as John Wick, but I think it did enough to please the vast majority of people, including myself. So it's it's kind of something to mention and talk about because it's coming from one of the writers of John Wick or the writer of John Wick. How did those movies score? I think John Wick, the first I'm one, interested. Was, was pretty similar. I think it was somewhere in the 80s, if I'm remembering. Let's find out. Yeah. 86. Yep. Very mm-hmm. similar. Right? So, yeah, I'll start off. I'm I'm going to say that I'm... I just like this movie so much, I can't be nitpicky about the story because the story, regardless of how similar it is to John Wick, it's even more enjoyable to me than that film was. So I'm going to give them a full point on story because it, it, I had no problems with it, even though they, they kind of borrowed a lot of the beats. I'm going to give them a full point for characters in acting because... I mean, everyone was so perfectly cast in this movie. And even people you wouldn't expect to be in an action film like this and actually get physical and have something to do with the action, it was awesome. And I saw a couple faces that were familiar that I was pleasantly surprised to see. So I'm definitely going to give them a full point there. Cinematography, look, effects, it's really high quality. It's, it's really high quality filmmaking. You'd be lying to yourself if you said otherwise. <laughs> Just the the whole array of action sequences, the way they were crafted, the way they were set up and planned, and the way they were executed. Everything looked just really realistic and well executed, and nothing stood out to me as like, man, that looks incredibly fake or cheesy, or that would never happen. Like Everything looked like it was believable. So that gets a full point there. We already talked about score. I loved it. I loved both elements of the the soundtrack and the actual film score. So that gets a full point. And yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to give them a full point on the like. I <laughs> I can't remember having this much fun. I can't remember how much fun I had watching a film like this. So yeah, I I really don't care. I'm giving this film a perfect score. It's going to get a 5. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Was that so, enough time for you to think? <laughs> yeah, and by the way, the John Wick's two and three had even higher Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. Than number one. Yeah. Um, I loved it. I love this genre. Feels it's getting a bong load. Cinematography. I love it. <laughs> it was great. I love the. I love highly choreographed, grounded action, man. Yeah. I love this type of action way more than superhero action. Gotcha way more i liked all the characters i liked how lean it was on character Mm -hmm. and i did come your way a bit on development you know i do kind of agree with you now so it's getting a full bong load there the score is definitely getting a full bong load because i loved it yeah it was awesome and with story i think what i spoke about earlier so the I'm trying to is like, killing me. I, I'm I'm thinking back through all the fives I've given, and all of them were like award-winning movies. I think, on yeah, some level, most of them I think. 
that kind of have that bigger messaging and and whatnot. Yeah. But I do think I want to reward the writer because I like it when he stays in his wheelhouse, right? Derek Kolstad. Yeah. And I don't really care that it's not that original. And, and to be fair, it's super refreshing to not have any messaging outside of the, the story they're telling. I get you, yeah. In a movie, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm going full bong on it. It's a fucking five, dude. <laughs> I, I was so stoked to watch it and nice. so pumped. It, like, totally made my my Friday night, you know? Oh, yeah. It made my night last night. It was great. Ah, sweet. Well, yeah, this one was a lot of fun. And if you haven't... bong loads, man. If you haven't noticed, we really took our time to talk about this one. It's... (laughs) Yeah, Uh, we've been going long, I think, on this one, eh? Not super long, but longer than usual. But, yeah, I mean, I I guess it's no secret, right? We highly recommend this movie. I I wish I would have bought it for 20 bucks. I paid six bucks to rent it. Same. (laughs) Same. So, yeah, I, I think at the bare minimum, if you're down with the John Wick franchise or the Atomic Blondes, that whole kind of thing going on in the action genre, you're going to love this movie. And take it from someone who's not the biggest fan of the shoot 'em up action genre. There's enough in here to keep you invested and to keep you entertained for sure. And you're going to have a no, blast. No cheese. No cheese. And it, it's also a film that doesn't take itself too seriously either. Yeah. It pokes fun at itself. And... It's just a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a good time. So if you can, if you're willing to even drop six bucks to rent it, I think uh, you're going to be glad you did because it's uh, it. it's very entertaining. Don't rent it. Buy it. You're going to want to watch it twice. <laughs> but, yeah, man, I think uh, I think we did it justice talking about it. Uh, anything else you wanted to, to clear up or, or say before we head on out of here? Nah. All right. Well... Thanks for hanging with us once again as we discussed Nobody, and we both had a blast. We highly recommend it. Check it out. Don't waste any time if you haven't seen it already. But until then, we hope you all have a great week, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.